Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Ignited Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Lawrence. I believe people and culture are the single greatest competitive advantage in any business. This podcast is a weekly dose of inspiration and practical how-to strategies for transforming the way we learn, grow, and perform at work. So get ready. You're about to learn from the best learning leadership experts on the planet. Let's get after it. I am so excited to introduce our next guest, Mr. Sean Grenier. Now, Sean is a former United States Navy fighter pilot, having served in the military for 26 years. He's also been a consultant in the international oil and gas industry, and he's currently a commercial airline pilot. Now, Sean has had the opportunity to literally travel around the world and work at multiple levels in many different highly reliable organizations. And he truly understands the challenges faced by today's leaders and managers. So on today's show, we're specifically going to be focusing on the art and practice of debriefing. Sean is going to be sharing his perspectives from the military and from the oil and gas industry on what effective debriefing is, why it's so important, and how to make it a regular practice, not only to transform your corporate learning culture, but to drive higher levels of performance. So this is going to be a good one. Sit back, get your learning hat on, and let's welcome Sean to the show. Sean, good morning. I'm really happy you're on the podcast today, and a big thank you for being here. Thank you. It's glad to be uh, able to join you. Well, listen, I appreciate you taking the time to come share with us some of your uh, insights around uh, learning and organizational development um, from, your, from your history, from the previous companies you've worked at, and from your time in the military. And I'm really excited to get into it. But um, maybe for our audience and our listeners, can uh, you give us a, a quick background as to uh, uh, who, who you are and what you're up to? Sure. So I'm a uh, pilot for a commercial airline, uh, international pilot. But I've spent uh, know, the last 30 years or so kind of working in uh, multiple organizations between my time in the Navy and also as a consultant in the oil and gas industry. Uh, and now, of course, as a pilot, uh, flying uh, as an international pilot. So I've, I've had a lot of experience at, at leadership and management at multiple different levels, and it's given me a, a good opportunity to to see good leaders and bad leaders, good managers, bad managers, and be able to take the things I thought were good from the ones who did a really good job and discard the kinds of things that I've seen from those who didn't do so good of a job uh, to be able to, to take that knowledge and, and use it as I moved up the, the leadership level as well and to be able to apply those skill sets uh, through, through all those various jobs I've had. You know, I think a great, a great place to start probably is, um, I know you come, you come from the military, so I'm, I'm curious to maybe talk a little bit about your experience of how learning takes place within the military and uh, what you see the, the, the strengths are. Well, I think, I mean, obviously from a, a school standpoint in the military, we do have a lot of, uh, of classes you can take or courses you can take as you progress through different stages of your career. 
but beyond those, uh, and, and those are typical, I think, of, of lots of organizations. Uh, you know, they have opportunities for enhancing your your skill set by going to some school, someplace, and, and learning from there. But beyond that, I think the military uh, becomes pretty effective at how they learn, and the fact that we don't look at it as you can only learn when you go to school. We look at it as you can learn actually in your day to day job and how you you tackle that. And one of the things I'm, I'm hoping that we talk about today is that, that idea of a debrief and what that brings to the learning idea. Yeah. But I think we find in the military, we found ways to, um, to one, not do the same, uh, you know, I'm not, maybe this isn't the right word, but the same stupid thing over and over again. And we wanted <laughs> to make sure that we weren't wasting time, energy, and money that are very valuable. I mean, in the military, things cost a lot of money. Time costs a lot of money. Uh, fuel costs a lot of money. I was a pilot in the Navy, so I spent a lot of time flying around in high-performance airplanes that, that burned a lot of gas. And every time you went out and did training in those environments, the idea was we need to capture as much of what we learned that day, put it into our heads, so that we could then go out and do it again later on and be better at it. And so I think that that willingness to to find ways to save time, energy, and money is a, a a cultural shift that that in the military they do a good job at. And I think that similar culture then translates into across multiple organizations within the military. So not just in my squadron, but another squadron or a ship or something else. We all have that similar culture, that Navy culture and that learning culture. So no matter who we work with, we're able to take that knowledge that we've gained and that idea of how to learn from each event into the next event and we can see it work and because we see it work we know that we want to continue to do that process over and over again wow that's amazing so it's kind of this constant and never-ending improvement but in a highly focused structured but also fluid way where everything matters in terms of let's let's reflect let's have the dialogues so that we can you know be bigger better faster more efficient in all that we do right yeah i mean i think it was a great description of it. it it is structured and yet at the same time it is fluid and it allows you to to kind of bend you don't always have to follow the exact same format i mean there's, there's kind of we'll talk about a little bit later when we actually go into the nuts and bolts of a debrief and what that means yeah but there, there's a structure to it but it also leaves a lot of openness into how you approach that on each given day so, so before we get into kind of talking about some of the debriefing models i'm just curious from a learning standpoint what, what surprised you the most in terms of the ways the way in which the military learns and evolves it's an interesting question. Because I grew up in it, I mean, I started at the Naval Academy when I was 17. So I don't know that I knew what learning was before other than I went to school. Um, <laughs> and, and so you know, I basically grew up in this environment. I think what I've seen, though, is especially as I started working later on in, in, in life with other organizations, and I spent five years in, uh, as a consultant in the oil and gas industry, and I would go out to drilling rigs literally all over the world. Yeah. And they don't have a, a debrief or, or learning culture in the classic sense that we did in the Navy. I mean, every organization I know wants to get better. I mean, no, no one walks in each day thinking I'm going to screw up all day long and I'm not going to learn anything from it. I mean, they all right. want to get better. How they do it and how effective they are is a whole different animal. And wow. so when I see other organizations who, um, who are trying to do that and trying to figure out what this continuous improvement culture really is, 
and sometimes struggle with that. I realized that in the military, we weren't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but specifically from my background as a, as a pilot, we had gotten pretty good at how you learn and, and take those applications that you learned on this given flight or this given day and apply them to the next one. We got really good at doing that. And so growing up in that environment really helps me see uh, the, the stark difference occasionally when you go into another organization that doesn't have that culture from the beginning. And now you've collected all these people who might have come from multiple different organizations, some of which may have done it really well and some of which were really poor at learning and, and being become better each time. And trying to jam all that together is, is a challenge. And it really is. And it takes the leader the leader's willingness to affect that change is how you make that change, right? If, if it's, it, it can't come from the bottom up and we'll talk about that. I mean, mm. I know one of the questions that, that uh, when we've had discussions before and you've expressed some concern is how do you get this to happen in an environment where it seems safe to everybody yeah. and there's no yeah. issue with some junior guy talking in, over some senior guy and, and how do you, how do you make that happen? Well, that, that becomes the leader's responsibility, and we can talk about that when we get into it. Well, well, let's get into it. Let's, uh, let's talk about debriefing and um, kind of your experience around uh, debriefing within organizations and what is it, why is it important, how do you use it, what outcomes can you get from it? Okay, well, there's a lot there. So I mean, maybe we can start <laughs> a little bit with uh, um, you know, what it, what, is it? what it really means to me, I guess, right? So yeah, a yeah. debrief is nothing more than figuring out what we did today or this last meeting or this project or whatever you want to call it. Right. And, and what can we do about what we learned and how can we apply? That's really what it's coming down to, right? So, so let me give you um, a, a couple key pieces of it. First of all, um, it's not necessarily a place to point out the mistakes of each person. So that you don't want to get somebody up there. And as the leader, this is probably the worst thing you can do in a debrief is you say, Hey, I'm going to, let's talk about this. Say you screwed this up. You didn't do this right. You, 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 right. Th those kind of phraseologies do not help the problem any. They don't help create a learning environment so that you can create a continuous improvement culture. That doesn't help. Right. So that's one thing it's not. It's also not a place to boast. I mean, we're, we're not really into this thing so that you can stand up and say, well, I did this really, really well. It's not, it's mm -hmm. not a boastful kind of event. It's, a, it's an opportunity, again, to talk about what we did, the things that maybe didn't go so well, the things that really did go so well, and what can we do better on the next time we do it. That's really what it comes down to. So let me give you a couple examples. Um, yeah, absolutely. On, on a larger scale, um, the Navy, if, if there was a big project or a big event in the Navy, we would oftentimes get together. And a squadron, sometimes they call it a hot wash-up. It's kind of a, an interesting phrase. I'm not exactly sure why that was the term that was developed at some point in the past, but that's yep. what they called it. And we would get together at the end of the day, and we would talk about how the day went so we could try to figure out what we could do next time. And there was some structure to it, but it was a lot of you know free and open time. I mean, if we were out on a on a detachment down in at some Navy base that wasn't your home base. A lot of times it uh, centered around the bar or dinner or whatever. So it's, it's, it could be really informal as well. It doesn't have to be some kind of formal event. And, mm -hmm. and, and we would talk about those kinds of things. What went well today? What didn't go so well? What can we do tomorrow to make the day become better or go better? 
uh, and that kind of thing. So again, we're not we're not banging our head on the same piece of uh, part on the wall and yeah. making that dent even bigger. I mean, we hopefully we learn some so that if we do hit our head on the wall, we're hitting it at a different place in the wall instead of the same old one. That kind of thing. Yeah. So, so as a larger scale, the Navy got really good at doing that. I mean, even a big operation with multiple ships and everything at the end of it might have a debris. Uh, I think when they when they build ships, they do a similar kind of thing. They'll they'll during the tor- the course of the ship being built, they'll have different opportunities for a debrief, and a, and a lot of organizations do that as well. Yeah, and I think yeah. the the similarities between big organizations and the Navy, those kinds of things happen on a pretty regular basis. Okay, right? but I think one of the things that happens is that when they do these big event debriefs, you don't capture learning at the more individual level. Right. Right. Right, because you know what when you've seen that in organizations, what what comes out of that? How, as an individual, what do you really learn from a big, massive debrief with fifty people in the room? Right, right. <laughs> this is like a systemic thinking model where you know there's the debrief for the organization, for the team, and also for the individual. So it's depending at what level you're pitching right. it at. Yeah, it, it is to a certain extent. So, I mean, you can do a debrief with 50 people in the room. But yeah. let's kind of shift gears again yep. and bring it to a little smaller group, right? So, uh, we would go out and do a flight with two guys, just one person against another person or, or two guys going to a, a, um, a, a range to, to shoot the gun or something like that. And when we got done, we would debrief. And we, we might spend 30 minutes or an hour talking about it. Mm. And that's a lot of time expensed on talking about something that just two people went and did. But by doing that, we can gain a lot of knowledge about what the two of us did and be able to translate that into something that we can do the next time we go out to shoot the gun so that we actually are more effective uh, next time than we were today. And that debrief becomes a lot more personable and can impact you. So, and when if you can impact yourself and you can become a learning individual, yeah. imagine what that can do to the entire organization, right? So you've created this culture of this organization that now has individuals who are willing to discuss how they perform, both positive and negative, right? It's not always a negative thing. I think too often people think this is a pointing fingers event, but right. it really isn't. And if you can get individuals to, to in turn, in, internalize that culture in themselves, and then you bring in 15 more people because you have a bigger project that day or a bigger event that happened, and they all do the same thing. And then you bring in 50 people because now it's a larger project. You can look at the power of that, and it's drastically different than if you just get one guy who stands up in front of 50 people and just ask people to say you know, what they did that time but not really talk about what they can do better, just kind of, hey, we did this, we did this. And that's kind of what a lot of organizations do today. It's not really a debrief. It's more of a summary of the event. That's a good distinction. But Sean, a clarifying question. How much of this is informal, self, um, self-initiated with maybe you or your partner versus formal? And there's, there's a sense of accountability where you know, somebody might ask you, hey, did you do your debrief? Um, what's the, what's the balance? Okay. I, that's a really good question. I think that the really, the way to do it is to set it up as a 
formal idea. In other words, it's something we do. Okay. Uh, there is an accountability to doing it. It doesn't necessarily, and the results of it don't necessarily need to be formally published. Right. Okay. But we can set the culture that it is something that we do. So there's a structure to the fact that we do it, but there's an informalness to how it's done. Okay, so gotcha. when, when we think about this and let's 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 pretend we have, say, four people involved in a project. We have the project manager and then maybe a, a, a senior manager and then a couple workers. OK, okay? and we're going to put them in a room and they just did a job that took them about a week to, to, to do something. Yeah. And we're going to get together and, and, and debrief. We've decided we're going to we're going to start this debriefing culture. and We've never done it before. We're going to come into the room. There's a couple ways that could go. Okay. And we've kind of already alluded to the fact that the leader, the senior person in the room, might be directive in what they do. They might say, well, we did this good, we did that bad, you did this, I did this, whatever. And that, that's one way to do it. But right. what do you see as the major problem if I stand up and I say that as the leader? What am I doing to those other two or three people in the room? Well, it's very much um, what comes to what, what comes to mind is it seems to be one way, and you may not be creating the conditions where people feel um, compelled or open to kind of share what's really on their mind. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, okay. So to switch that, then, if we think of the debrief as an opportunity for us as an individual in that room of four people to reflect on what it is that we as a group or I as a person did. Okay, not as in you, but a we or an I kind of idea. So yeah. as you're the leader, now let's just shift gears and make this a little bit different. So we're getting together to do this debrief. We say, hey, we're going to talk about what we did. And I want to say the first thing I might say is, okay, what do you guys think we did well? And that's a very right. different question than I think we did or statement. I think we did X, 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 right? right. X, y, I, I versus we. Right. But if I say, what did we do well? And it's also a question to them. Right? So we're not just, we're not the ones broadcasting. We're in the ones that are receiving as the leader. So when mm. the leader asks the question, it automatically opens up the other people to talk about the things that were well, right? So the well is easy. It's easy for us to talk about the things we do well. Correct. Correct. Okay. And then when you get to, and so you have a discussion about that and we can talk about the We'll talk about the details of making this actually happen maybe a little longer down the talk here, but just in the concept idea right now, we yeah. want to talk about what we did well. So it's easy to get people to talk about the what we did well. Okay, so we ask, ask a couple of questions. We get people to give us some, you know, me as a leader to give me some feedback on that. And then we get to the fun part, right? Well, what, what didn't we do so well? Okay, now you've just asked that question to the two or three guys in the room who are all junior to you. And they can see that you have this, you know, this positional authority on your shoulders and they don't have. Correct. You just asked them a question. What did we or you not do so well, right? And what are they going to say? <laughs> it depends on the level of uh, safety and trust and their, 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 their comfort level of having a conversation that might have some tension. Absolutely. And so the way as a leader or a senior manager that you can – gain that trust is when you start this idea of a debrief, the first thing you do when you get to the what can we do better thing is you talk about it and you don't talk about things that they could do better. You talk about the things that you as a leader can do better. So those become the I statements. So 
So, hey, let's talk about things we can do better as a team. I'm going to start off with me. Okay, this is the one thing that I noticed that I didn't do very well on this particular project. Mm. And that's something I'd like to work on and I can fix that. And I, I commit to you guys to doing that the next time. Well, wow. I mean, what do you think about that? What does that do to the other three people in the room? Well, you know, I, I absolutely agree to that. And, and if I could just build on that comment, when building uh, psychological safety to speak or trust to speak, one of the great ways to do that is by a leader willing to be vulnerable and a leader willing to kind of put it on the line, which says, you know, here, here, here was the opportunity. Here's where, you know, I could have done better. And I think that example of being vulnerable or taking a risk of sharing something that might not sound so good to the rest of the team members kind of sets the stage and makes it okay. Absolutely. And yep. so I think that's the way, the way you build that trust is by your willingness to talk about stuff that you didn't do so well on. Now, of course, there is always the challenge that you think you didn't do anything wrong. Consequently, you have to kind of figure out how to work through that. If we're all being honest with ourselves, we can always <laughs> do something better, no matter how good we think we are, right? So as long as that leader is being honest with themselves, they can probably affect that pretty well. And then once they start talking in that way, it then opens up the minds of everybody else to realize it's okay to say this. I, I don't have to worry about um, you know, saying something that's going to get me fired or something or that, that's going to make them feel less of me, that kind of idea. And I think the next step is really the most important aspect of what we just talked about. We've talked about things we did well and things we, we didn't do so well. And the next, the next question really is, what, what can we do better next time? And it's not just a question about what we can do better next time in fixing the things we just admitted we didn't do so well, but it's also an understanding what we did well so we can repeat those the second time. In fact, to a certain extent, that's probably almost as important, if not more so, than the things we didn't do so well. And that's very often left out. And when you think about a debrief and you're not used to this debriefing culture, one of the first things you think about is it's going to be all critical the whole time. And we're only going to hear all this negative stuff. And then we have to figure out how to not do the negative stuff the next time. But as important, and again, maybe even more so is what we did well this time so we can repeat that the next time we do this job or the next project we go on or whatever it happens to be. What about contracting? Contracting with people, um, having agreements about how the discussion is going to go before you start. You know, for example, maybe one of the contracts is, you know, let's leave judgment at the door, but let's adopt a posture of curiosity. Or it might be, Hey, look, everything that we need to talk about might stay here at this table unless we agree upon we're going we're gonna to take it outside the room. Or um, Can you speak to that? What, what sort of contracting yeah. did you do before? Yeah, absolutely. I think those are, all, those are great ideas. And, and it doesn't have to be some formal written down kind of thing, but it can be yeah. an agreement. And we, we sometimes we'll just call those, this is the rules, okay? So rules of engagement for, for this particular idea. So we're going to do debriefs at the end of, of our event or project or whatever. And these are kind of the standard rules we're going to live on. We're going to leave our positional authority at the door. Mm. We're going to walk in and we're going to learn from each other so that as a team, we can become better at what we do. Okay. We're not going to hold accountable to, if you say something that's no harm, no foul. Again, it's the idea of this team is going to get better. And I like that point you mentioned that we will agree to, keep this between us unless we agree to take it outside of this. 
and we're trying to get our team better. But, but maybe there's another team next door doing a similar kind of project, and we learned something today, and we really need to tell those guys. So we need to come yeah. to an agreement. Yes, this is something we learned that we didn't do very well or something we learned that went really well. And we can take that, that kernel or that nugget that we just learned one way or the other, and we can pass it on the other team, and then they cannot do the same stupid thing that we just did or maybe they can do the really good thing that we just did so that they don't have that same struggle when they do their project Ab absolutely and, and you know there's two things I, I i i like here one is this sense of joint responsibility for everybody's performance their growth and their well-being on the team it sounds like that's what mm -hmm. debriefing is kind of creating in, in that team culture but at the same time, I love what you just said. It's also going beyond your team and exploring how do you create greater beneficial value for other stakeholders that you work with. And that may be the team next door. Um, so you're right. kind of elevating everybody, right? Absolutely. And that's kind of the output, right? So when you get done with a debrief, you've, there's something that came out of it. Otherwise, why are we doing this? There, there's some, something that came out of it. And no matter what you think about what happened in that room, the result is always positive because the idea of a debrief is that we want to learn something from what we just did, either something because we did something poorly or something because we did something really well. We yeah. learned something from that and we want to take that lesson learned and be able to apply it to future work, whether it's our work or another team's work is irrelevant. We need to be able to capture that and then pass that on or use it. And sometimes it's no more than internal to your own mind. I think okay. sometimes people get too wrapped up in the idea that a lesson learned has to be some formal database of something in the company that ends up becoming this massive Excel spreadsheet that nobody can even look at anymore. Mm. The reality of it is most of the time a debrief probably doesn't do much more than improve the ability of the local team or you as an individual to do your job better. Right. And that's actually really important. Occasionally, it's going to go to a few other teams nearby, and every once in a while, it might be something that applies to the entire organization that we want them to learn from. So don't think of a debrief as something that's always going to have massive amounts of, of output that's going to go to the entire organization, and they all have to learn from this. It's not. It's more of a localized team concept that can be used occasionally to amplify what other teams and the entire organization are doing. Gotcha. You know, one of um, one of a, a debriefing model uh, that is always used in the world of experiential learning is called the what, the so what, and the now what. And I find that when we're debriefing an experience, a, a learning experience, we're we're really good at the what happened and so what does it mean to you? Like, what meaning are you giving mm -hmm. this? What's the learning? But a lot of times where teams fall short is the, the now what. It's, you know, going from insight to application. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I like what you're saying that a lot of times it might be just internalization. But how far do you push it in the application piece to kind of see tangible shifts? How formal do you go versus, you know what, we have a good understanding and, and we know what we need to do without being too formal? Yeah, I mean, it is a good question. It is a challenge because, again, there, there's an output that comes out of this, this act of doing a debrief. Yeah. And we don't want to waste our time. But where does that output go, right? That's what you've talked about. So let yeah. me give you a, just a, a quick – I got two examples I 
want to talk about from my time working in oil and gas. This is the first one. Um, Absolutely. I I was up in a, I think it was actually on a rig off the, the coast of West Africa. And there was a, a project that was going on up on the drill floor where they were making up stands of, of, of pipe uh, that's going to go down into the drilling hole. Uh, and they were putting it together. It's actually called casing. It's a like 36 inch diameter, big steel pipe. It's big, heavy stuff. And they were putting this together and they make up two or three joints of this. So like a 30 foot pipe and another 30 foot pipe and another 30 foot pipe. And they're putting this together and it's, it's massive pieces of machinery moving around and you can lose fingers and toes and hands and all kinds of stuff. So you, you gotta be really careful with this. Oh, stuff. wow. So they start, they start building this up. And they were putting together a stand is essentially three pieces of pipe spun together, but with it's threaded. So it's threaded pipe spun together. And they were making up about two stands an hour. Which okay. is, I mean, pretty slow when it really comes down to it. And so one of the individuals, he happened to be from the UK, nothing against my UK brethren. And he, I had been talking to him about doing debris. And he finally said, okay, this, he's been bugging me for a long time. I guess I'm going to do it. I was not even up there. He did this entirely on his own because we've been bugging him about, about it. So he said, let's do a debrief. So they get everybody together. And he went through the process, which we've kind of talked about. We'll he maybe get a little more detail in a minute here. And they learned some things. In fact, one little thing they learned was so significant that they were able to communicate that to the next leader who came up. It had to be the same team putting it together, but it was a different leader in charge of the job. And they communicated that, and they were able to do somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 or 15 stands per hour, two before, 10 to 15 stands per hour, after one physical sitting down together and talking about it. Okay, And the most significant aspect of this entire debrief was the person who came up with the idea of how to make this better was one of the most junior guys on the crew who hadn't even been on the drill floor very long, but they had empowered him by saying, what do you guys think we can do better? Instead of the leader saying, you guys did this wrong. You did that right. You did wow. this wrong. He opened the door up, let the individual say something. And this one guy who was a really junior guy on the drill floor said, well, I think this would work really well. And they all agreed to it. And the next thing they know, they're performing exceptionally well compared to what they had been doing the hour before, all because one individual was willing to hold a debrief. And in that debrief, everybody got a chance to talk. And one junior guy had a chance to say that one nugget that they really needed. That's pretty powerful stuff. Wow. Uh, what was the nugget? Had to do with how a, a rope was attached to a, a big uh, tong. They call it a tong that, that screws the two pipes together. And and how he guided it in. And he, he was worried about hitting his hand. Obviously, I would too. I don't want to lose any fingers or toes if I was working on the drill floor. And he was able to pass this. He said, hey, why don't we try doing the rope here and I can do this with it? And next thing they know, they go, that's a great idea. I don't know why we haven't thought of that before. Imagine that. They hadn't done any debris before. And they, they accomplished. I mean, now they didn't have, it didn't slow the process down. Before they were you know, running the, the, the tong in and it would bump. They'd back it up. Do it. it took them three or four times to get the tong on. Once they put the rope on it, they could sling the tongue onto these pipes instantaneously the very first time, and they never missed a beat. That, that, that increased the speed at which they could do stuff and increased the safety of their job. That's amazing. So, I, you know, I kind of, you know, not quite sure how to phrase it, but a lot of companies would say, oh, you know, the time and effort to do the debrief, you know, we're too busy to take that time out. But that time out 
is going to save you cost, but it's also going to gain you massive efficiencies and better results. So it's worth Absolutely. it to take that time out. Now you said you had a 15 second- minutes was all time. That only took 15 minutes for him to do that. Now you said you had a second example. Well, I think the second one really comes into this and, and then it'll lead us into maybe a section where we can talk about the physical, how you do it. Right. We've kind of mentioned it at least in passing, but maybe we can get a little more detail on that. Sure. So I was uh, working with a, a rig up in Norway and, and I got them to try to do a debrief too. And the interesting thing was the junior people on the team had never been asked what they thought about how the job had gone. And so when the driller finally decided to do it and, and, and do a debrief, he was the senior guy in charge of this particular job. The junior guys started just talking and they talked and talked and talked and talked and talked. And it took them like an hour to go through the debrief because mm. they were talking about everything. Mm. Okay. And it's because, and I asked him one time because the senior guy pulled me aside. He said, I can't afford to take an hour to do a debrief every single time. And I said, I hear you. I said, trust me, it will get better. And then I talked to the junior people a little bit about what it really means when the guy says, what do you think we did well today? It doesn't mean that you go through every single thing we did. It's not a laundry list of a rehash of what we just did and all the tasks we accomplished. Right. It's a few items, maybe even one, maybe you don't say anything that day, hmm. right? It's not a, it's not an all free for all talk. It can be a small amount of talking to get really what we want to done, that kind of idea. Gotcha. And so that was the other story, I think. And it kind of shows the two uh, opposites of this one. They had a really effective debrief and they learned and, and, and really applied it really well. And another one where a team was just learning how to do it and they ended up taking a lot more time and didn't get as much out of it because they weren't quite sure how to make that. Happen. How do you really do a debrief and what does that really mean? Right. Right. And so let's, let's go down, let's go down the how Let, let's, let's talk about okay. the mechanics of the debrief. You want to speak to that? Yeah, I think the most important thing on a debrief is that you realize it's not a rehash of the entire effort, an entire job. It's not a laundry list that starts at the top. Well, we got together and we did this way down to the end. That's not what a debrief is. I mean, there might be an application for that in certain events, depending on what you're you're trying to accomplish. But in most cases, it's not. And And I really want to appeal to people that the debrief is something you can do anytime for anything. I mean, you can, you can drive to the supermarket. Of course, in Hong Kong, we don't drive very much, but you know, you can drive to the supermarket and you can debrief your drive. I mean, it's, it sounds silly, but you can go to that application of it. It doesn't need to be, well, we just, you know, we, we put somebody on the moon, so let's do a debrief. Mm. We don't have to do that to do a debrief. We can, we can go to the store and buy our groceries and come back and do a debrief, right? I mean, it, it can be as simple as that. And, and it's, it's just a reflection. So think of a debrief as a reflection on what the team did from really two standpoints and then a result discussion. So the first one is, okay, guys, what did we do well today, right? And so when you ask that question, we're not asking for the team to, again, rehash it. We're asking for them to think, okay, what did we do really well? Give me one or two ideas from the group that we think we did well. It doesn't need to even be everything, right? We don't need to talk about everything we did well. We just need to look for, hey, what do you think we can apply the next time, right? So that's the part of that contract you talk about. When, when you teach people to do a debrief, we have this contract. And one of them is, I'm going to speak up when I, when I have something that really means something. It has some meaningful result to it. 
So once you ask that question, we have two or three inputs from that. The next question, of course, is what didn't we do so well? And, what, and, and so now you have a discussion on that. And we talked about some techniques so that the senior person or the senior manager, senior leader, they're the ones who admit was something they didn't do so well to start with. And that mm. kind of opens up the opportunity for the people that you know, aren't a senior in the room to be able to say, what, hey, I, I also messed this up. This is something I, I think that I, I didn't do so well. And maybe if I had done this, we would have had a better result in this project, that kind of idea. And then once you hear one or two of those, as a leader, you don't want to, you're not asking for every single person to raise their hand and say, I screwed this up, I screwed this up, I screwed this up. So it's really one or two items that you think the team can learn from, okay? And so the manager has to, has to kind of guide the discussion as well. It's not just a free-for-all. And then the final thing is, okay, guys, what can we take from these positives and these things that uh, in the Navy, we used to call them others. So they weren't negatives. They were others. They were just, they weren't as great. So they're other, right? And, I love and that. And we still call goods, goods and others is kind of what we really talked about. So what, what can we take from these goods and others and learn from them to do better the next time we do this job? And then you have a little discussion on that. And that's where you might actually have somebody writing down some things. You might get some notes out of that that can help the team get better. It might be something that just enters your head, and it's something you'll remember the next time you do the job, that kind of idea. Okay? And then when you use that process, basically that three-question structure, that's the structure side of it. But the free flow is kind of what's said through that, right? And, and then how you apply that, whether it's a, always something we pass it on to somebody else. No, it's not always something where we pass it on or we write it down. But it might be, and that's the free flow side of it. We might need to pass this on to another team or, to, or actually write it and stick it up in our, maybe we have a workroom where we do a lot of our projects. Hey, we, as we gain this nugget, let's write that down and stick it up on the wall. So that when we're doing the project the next time, we always see it and we remind ourselves we didn't do that so well last time, or we did that really well last time. Let's remember to repeat that the next time. Oh, that's fantastic. So in summary, the three questions are? What did we do well? What didn't go so well? And what can we do better next time, taking into account those goods and the others that we can apply to the next time we do this job or any other project for that matter? Oh, I love that. That's fantastic. Now, Sean, um, in the military, I've often heard this concept called an after-action review, an AAR. Um, mm-hmm. Is that the same as a debrief, or is that something different? In the military, we generally called AARs or after-action reviews something that was on a larger event. Okay. So maybe uh, if we went down and did a, uh, uh, we went to another base and we spent a week flying with people. We, and it was maybe a big exercise. At the end of the exercise, we might have an AAR. So it's a larger event. It probably is, lends itself to be a lot less open and a lot less discussion from the floor and more of a presentation of the kinds of things we think as a group we learn from this mm. event. Um, whereas a debrief is a little bit more personal and maybe on a smaller scale. So it, it, the after-action review or after-action report, depending on how you look at it, maybe a report gets written at the end of it, might take some of the things that came out of those individual debriefs through the course of the exercise or through the course of a bigger project. And then it takes those and puts them into something, a presentation that depending on the scale of it and everything else, it still might allow some free form discussion in the group, especially if it's something that you guys are as a group are trying to publish for the entire organization that should lend itself to some discussion of the people in the room, even if there's 50. Um, 
but it's not the same as doing a debrief after every project. I mean, you could debrief a meeting. You could have a meeting at the very end of the meeting. You could say, okay, guys, anything come out of this meeting that, that we really like, that we didn't like, or we can do better the next time we have a meeting. You could do that. And you could do that in two or three minutes. And I'll guarantee you, if you spent the time to do that at the end of a meeting, the next meeting would probably be more effective and more, and you, you would probably be shorter because you've probably talked a little bit about how to shorten it because nobody wants to sit in a meeting. So if you sit in a meeting that takes an hour and you start doing debriefs at the end of that, they're going to become more efficient because you're going to figure out ways. But well, we just talked about so many things in this meeting that we probably could have sent a pre-read out to everybody and they'd all know this instead of sitting down there for the first 30 minutes and bringing everybody up to speed. Of course, you have to read the pre-brief if you're going to do that. But I mean, those are ways to maybe improve and, and make meetings more efficient. But you could debrief a meeting and learn that stuff. If you don't debrief a meeting, guess what? The next meeting is going to be at least an hour again. And the next meeting is going to be another hour. And you're never going to change that meeting process because no one's willing to learn from that meeting. You know what, you know what I love about this is that <laughs> debriefing is so simple, but yet so powerful if you just do it. Sean, for our listeners um, out there, what would be some, I mean, you've offered a lot of great tips and suggested actions, but top of mind, what's the number one or two things you'd recommend um, our listeners to kind of take away from this and kind of, you know, put it into action? What would you say? Okay. I mean, every organization out there has a desire to become a learning organization. Right. Because if we're not a learning organization, we potentially are. And this may be a strong word, but we're we might be wasting time, energy and money. Right. Our resources are really important, especially in this day and age with the way the markets are going. And the you know, COVID-19 thing has really hurt a lot of businesses. And we don't have the revenue generation that we, we once had three months ago, at least not right now. Maybe right. six months from now, it's all back to normal. But the amount of resources we have are very precious to us. Uh, if you're a private company, it's precious because it may be coming out of your own pocket. If you're a, an international uh, publicly traded company, it's important because you you owe shareholders something, right? There's there's always somebody, either yourself personally or some other person or some wider group of people who, have, who you owe, owe a response to. So resources are very precious. That time, energy, and money is very important. And if we want to use that time, energy, and money to the most efficient, effective way we can, we need to, to do things that make us or allow us to do that. And a debrief is one of the most important tools you can put in your toolbox to continue to become a continuous learning organization. And if you don't debrief, if you just expect people to do better and you don't talk about it and you don't actually have some, again, formal idea of doing a debrief, informal process and how it physically happens to a certain extent, if you don't have that in place, there's no way that you can learn as much as you need to learn. It's not impossible, but it's certainly much more difficult. And you will be banging your head on the same piece of, of real estate on your wall day in and day out. A debrief gives you a chance to bang your head on a different part of the wall and eventually maybe not bang your head at all. That's kind of what the goal is. Sean, that, that, is, that is pure gold. Um, well, my friend, we're, we're, we're coming to the end of our podcast here. I would uh, love to First off, just say uh, thank you and to send a lot of gratitude your way for sharing all this practical wisdom. It's, uh, it's been fantastic. If the audience would like to get in touch with you, what's the best way they can reach you? 
Um, I, I'm working with a company called the core group and that's probably through them might be the best way to do that. Uh, I do an email through them. It's uh, S and then my last name, which is G R E N I E R at the core at C O R P S G R O U P com, the core group.com. It's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. I'm on also on LinkedIn. There's a lot of Sean's on LinkedIn, but I'm the aviator one. So you can find <laughs> me on LinkedIn as well. And, and we'll be sure to uh, put that contact information in the show notes. So if people want to follow up with you, um, they could do so. So uh, Sean, I'd love to, uh, again, thank you so much, brother. I really appreciate the time. And uh, sure, we will speak to you soon. Sure. Great. Anytime. And uh, looking forward to the next one. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Ignited Learning Podcast. If you've enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at ignited-learning.com. Thanks for listening.